Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I am David Cusimano here with Eric Wingerter. Hey, David. Good to be here again. Absolutely. The show goes on. It must. (laughs) Another episode of amazing topics and Eric, I think about, I think it's good to think back to... Harken. We're harkening. Harken back. Yes. (laughs) To why we are doing this, right? Think about the Emerge Dynamics podcast. We're trying, I hope we're doing more than trying. Hopefully we're being at least somewhat successful at really helping people who manage and own small and lower middle market private companies emerge from their peers. That's what we say. That's what we say, right? That's what we we do, right? Hopefully that's what we do. And so, folks, as you're listening, we're trying to build, we haven't been, I guess if you went and looked at every episode that we've done and put them in chronological order, there's a little bit of a building. We started with kind of basic core premise. We built into strategic dream planning. We did some extensions of that, right? I wouldn't say, like, if we had to reorder our episodes and make them into a book, let's say, that unfolded, we might change the order of some of the episodes around. Right. But in general, we're building on something. We're building, here, right, yeah. as we go. Yeah. And, and yes. Sometimes it's a little bit more of the peeling back of the onion. Right. Sometimes yeah. we'll revisit yeah. something and yeah. go deeper. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I think that's what we're going to do a little bit of today. Yeah. Is go a little bit deeper on something. And because, Eric, we did an episode just last week, we said, let's do a current event. There's a lot going on in the economy. Yep. And we said, we'll probably be revisiting this at some point, coming back to it, because just depending on how things are unfolding. Yep. Well, things are unfolding. <laughs> and so here we are back. And, and one, just in a week. Yeah, and yeah. One week later. Yeah. And so we want to, folks, keep these episodes timeless as much as possible. We want what we speak of today to have value. Not only today, we're recording this May of 2023, but if you listen to this three years from now and whatever economy we are in in three years from now, I hope it's a good one. We want this still to have value then, right? right. So we're going to touch on some current events, but we're going to be giving solutions that I think can work no matter what phase of the economy or the business cycle that we're in. Yeah. And so the topic of today sounds not that interesting, <laughs> but is really important, especially if we're navigating some challenging times. And and what are those challenges, right? So we talked last week about, hey, it looks like there's some slowdowns in the economy, right? And what's going on macroeconomically. We've got, since then, we've got incredibly large numbers of layoffs. Layoffs. Like, I mean, I mean, yeah. the, these stories have been coming out all this year, but even in the last couple of weeks, it's really accelerated. I mean, we can go down the list, and there's articles now. Like and It's are, not just one industry either. Right. It seems to be At, A couple months ago, people said, oh, it's just tech. You're right. Like, eh, it's just crypto. Like, yeah. It turns out it wasn't just tech, right? Yeah. And Eric, we called it, right? We said, yeah. <laughs> if folks, go back a few episodes and say, we said, hey, this probably is not a crypto-only problem, right? <laughs> Everyone has got low interest rate assets. Every financial institution in every industry has got low interest rate assets on their balance sheet. 
and they're all going to be in a pinch no matter what the industry is. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> right. And it's so, here. <laughs> and now here we are. It's here. Right. So, and also, Eric, I know I follow probably some news sources that I would say are not mainstream. They're probably a little more alternative, a little bit more for economics nerds, right? Probably the narrative that I usually pick up on is not what we're seeing on mainstream media, right? I would like to think that I'm picking up on some things in advance of the mainstream media, and I think usually I am, but when it comes into mainstream media, it's here, right? And like, for example, we were talking earlier, CNN and now has a layoff tracker yeah. that they're putting out there, yeah, it right? Just came up. Yeah. So, and that's how many layoffs <laughs> there are that they think there's a need to have a layoff tracker. Tracker, right? <laughs> and we don't need to go through the list, but almost every main brand or company name that's a household name right now is announced some type of layoff. Most of them in the thousands or in the like ten percent of their workforce <laughs> type stuff. It's big. So we're going to keep watching this as it unfolds, but we thought a topic that we can start talking about because we're seeing people actually coming up on this now struggling with is a borrowing base. Yeah, yeah. And I may have just, like, it may sound very anticlimactic. We built up all these things, like layoffs, <laughs> problems, economy, and then borrowing, borrowing base. base. You're going to talk about that, what? right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's something, folks, that I think we really need to dive into because as we'll probably do a series a little bit on turnaround management, because this is something that's going to be, I think, think increasingly yeah, needed, needed, unfortunately, yep, in what's yep. unfolding. But in part of that, this will be a little bit more of a tactical, technical episode and conversation. But your borrowing base is really a place where you can finance growth. So let's talk about, Eric, first, what is a borrowing base? And then we'll bring it back to why it's so important today. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think, I think as you're saying, it, it's definitely something that you can utilize as a means to fund growth. But it's also a means that in a tough economy where things might be slowing down, it might give you an opportunity to actually lever up some assets that are in your business to help get you through. Right. And if your cash flow might be a little bit tight, but you're sitting on cash in your balance sheet, it may be able to open that up to you. But the main point being here that we're going to get into what is a borrowing base, how is it calculated, those types of things is, then it helps you as a business owner to understand the discipline behind it because we can't just say, oh, that's a that's just this mechanism to help me to fix all my problems. No, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. It has to be utilized in the right way for the right reasons. And so that's as we peel back the onion, I think we'll get into that. Absolutely. And so let's high level just what is it, right? For anybody who's not familiar yet, So in the banking world, there's an area of lending called ABL. They're called asset-based lending, where banks and other lenders will lend based on your assets and your business. And that in and of itself doesn't sound all that, I don't know, not much of a revelation. Of course, banks lend on assets. (laughs) But in particular, in this group, and so bigger banks will have a group called an ABL group. Yeah. Smaller banks, they'll do effectively the same thing. They just won't call it ABL or part of their ABL group. But what they'll do the process is, is, is they'll commonly look at accounts receivable and inventory, right? This is usually an area of lending based on accounts receivable and inventory. Whereas smaller businesses or people not familiar with this, they're more maybe familiar with lending based on fixed assets. Right. Where I've got some real estate. The bank will lend me something based on my collateral of my real estate. Or right. maybe I've got some equipment. People are more familiar with equipment financing. 
I've got some trucks I can borrow based on that. I mean, most Americans, unfortunately, loans against their cars. That's equipment finance, right? Yeah, yeah. So the, here we're talking specifically about, and it, there's some variations, but usually it's accounts receivable and inventory that a lender is looking at. They're looking yeah. at how much accounts receivable do you have? How much inventory do you have? And they're looking at what they could lend based on the makeup of accounts receivable and inventory. And they'll, they'll lend a certain what they call advance rate right. against those. Right. Well, I, I think it's important, David, that you make that distinction about what is the asset that is being leveraged here. Because accounts receivable inventory are current assets on the balance sheet. And it's an important distinction because the other thing you talked about, vehicles and real estate, things of that nature, are long-term assets. Right on the balance sheet. And so, again, as we unpack this a little bit, we always need to be conscientious about what are the assets that we're borrowing against and then what are the use of the proceeds associated with oh. And they should be matching right. one another. Right. So we shouldn't be using long-term assets for short-term needs and we shouldn't be using short-term assets for long-term. Yes, absolutely. Well said, Eric. I hadn't thought of that. This is really accounts receivable. I mean, this is really current asset financing. Finance. is what it is. <laughs> right. So I learned something new. Thank you. Uh, uh, and so think about, well, what is this for, right? Because this can often become long-term financing, even though like long-term as if it's in place for a long time. Right. But it's like you said, Eric, it's using current assets and usually it should be used for short-term needs. Right. Right. And so the biggest place I've seen this used is to finance working capital. Yeah. And working capital, especially in a business that is heavy in accounts receivable and or inventory, is something that exists almost in perpetuity. Right. And so if we think about the definition of working capital, we could pick this apart a little bit. So I know someone will scream and say, ah, you, you didn't give the com- complete correct definition. But at a high level, it's accounts receivable plus inventory minus accounts payable. There right. are some other accounts we add and subtract. We want to get granular. But at a high level, for most folks, that's what we're talking about. Right? right. And so as we grow our business, we find that the difference, that number, accounts receivable plus inventory minus accounts payable, that number grows. What does that number represent? It represents the dollars. People misunderstand working capital. They they call it something different, but it's the dollars that are trapped in your business. It's dollars in your customer's bank account or in your warehouse, but they're not in your bank account. Right. Right. They're trapped somewhere. Right. And you can't get them out. And so as you grow, your working capital grows, you have a need to finance this. Right. Right. And so this is often, you could be called working capital finance. Yeah. Well, and then you said it's also you take in the net, which is the accounts payable side of the equation, which is because that's money that is not trapped Mm. in your business. You've actually borrowed from effectively effectively from your vendors. But because you owe those vendors, the banks are going to say, well, hold on a second. You've got these assets or this cash that's tied up in your business, but you owe this money over here. Mm -hmm. And so we're typically not going to let you have the full amount of the assets because we're going to be leery of what it is that you're still owing to your vendor. Absolutely. And what I've seen Eric Banks do is they usually will allow some amount of payables or they won't impact, won't hurt the borrowing base. Right. But if you start letting your payables become overdue, oh, oh, yes. they yeah. will then start subtracting your borrowing yeah. base. So what happens is you take, let's just say it's a, you have a $10 million of accounts receivable. A bank will say, okay, there's an advance rate of 
85%. Sometimes it's higher, sometimes it's lower, but we'll go with 85 for now. I've seen as high as 90 actually on certain types of AR. So if it's $10 million, they'll do an advanced rate of 85%. That means the bank will lend you $8.5 million on those accounts receivable. So that $8.5 million becomes your borrowing base. Let's say you've got another $10 million of inventory. Usually the advance rate on inventory is not as high, yeah, 50. 50% or yeah. so, yeah. right? So if you've got $10 million of AR, $10 million of inventory, advance rate 85% on AR, 50% on inventory, you're now, the bank will lend you $8.5 million on the AR, $5 million on the inventory. Is that $13.5 million? <laughs> yes, there we are. It's hard to do math. Our, our, our math when, is when slow. someone's staring at you, it's yes. correlated to the number of people you think might be listening to your podcast, maybe. <laughs> so $13.5 million is called your borrowing base, right? And the bank will lend you up to that amount. Right. So if you now have borrowed, and what we do is the banks will often require you to report on a monthly basis, sometimes weekly, depending on what's going on, what your borrowing base is. They're they're going to take your word for it, usually during the year. Count on you to have integrity and be honest and self-report. And then once a year, they'll come in and audit and make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do, right? So let's say you've borrowed $10 million and you have a $13.5 million borrowing base. You have $3.5 million of availability that you could borrow, Right. right? So that's the mechanics, I guess, of how it all works. Yeah. But it goes deeper because then what banks will do, they're really good at this. They've been doing this for a long time and they've figured it out, right? So they'll do things. They'll look at things called cross-age of the accounts receivable. They'll look at concentration. So they'll make you go through individual accounts. And if, let's say, 25% of an individual account from of one of your customers is more than 90 days overdue, they'll tell you to throw the entire account out. Right. right? So not just the parts 90 days overdue, the entire account. Yeah. If, for example, you've got a customer that makes up sometimes more than 10 or 20% of all of your AR, they'll make you throw that account out, right? So they'll have different rules. So sometimes- Yeah, that, that $10 million that you're starting with and 85% advance rate, that 10 million may go down to- 8 million before you apply that's the right, 85%. Right. So, so even though your statutory advance rate may be 85%, your effective advance rate may turn into 70 or 75%. Right. It depends right. right, on the quality of the AR, the quality yeah. of the inventory. In general, folks, just if, if this is the first time you're hearing about this, banks will almost never finance work in process inventory. Yeah. They'll only or do- unbuild. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, right. It's got to be usually either finished goods or raw material and in a format in which if they needed to take that collateral and sell it, they could. That's ultimately what they're looking for is recovery on this stuff. Right. 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 So that's the mechanics. And then we go into, okay, what do we, how do we use this? Like we said, Eric, we can use it to finance growth and it's normal. It's normal to leave this, even though it might be short-term assets, your short-term assets are always recycling, but your working capital can become permanent. It's normal to leave this line of credit in place almost in perpetuity. Now, we'd like to create free cash flow and not have to always go to the extent of our borrowing base, right? but you could, and a lot of companies do. What I've seen, though, Eric, is in a slowdown, companies can get in trouble because if they get some cash in the door, they'll use that cash to pay off something else, and now the borrowing base is shrinking on them they now owe the bank. I mean, I've seen this before. Like suddenly you owe the bank. You're upside down on your borrowing base. You owe the bank one or two million dollars and you don't have the cash to do it. Theoretically, you got the cash because customers paid you or inventory converted, but you were such in the hole, you put it somewhere else. So you got to be really careful if things are slowing down. Theoretically, working capital should come out of your business or go back into your business. So you should be getting cash as things slow down. There's a, there's a benefit of working capital. You yeah. slow down, you get that yeah. money back. 
But you need to make sure you're realizing I should be giving 50% of this to the bank, not giving, paying back 50% of this to the bank. Yeah. And AR comes down, I give 85% of it to the bank. And the remainder is cash that I can use for other purposes. Right, right. No, and I think, like you said, the downward spiral that often happens is when you start using that borrowing base capacity to fund losses in your business over a period of time. That's when you really start having this downward spiral because if your business is slowing, your borrowing base is coming down or mm-hmm. it likely is coming down, leveling off, what have you. It's not continuing to grow because you're no longer funding growth, but you're funding now this slowdown. And sometimes in that slowdown, you have more losses. And so you're, it's kind of a double whammy. And that's when you get into serious trouble. And whether we want to say that that's what's happening right now, but, you know, we said in some of these current events in this most recent episode is the bank failures. We've had several of them. That is oftentimes what starts to happen on the bank side of things. So, Eric, this is going to turn into a two episode. This, is two, this will be two because I know <laughs> so we're coming, we're coming up on our time, time here. So, so, folks, I think we've set up the mechanics now, borrow base. Join us next time as we really go into how this plays into valuation and how this can play in, in a tough economy. Yes. Yeah.